Well, as you know, today begins the season of Advent, a new liturgical year for the church. Advent, uh, as you know, is a time of anticipation. It's a time when we live more fully within ourselves, the anticipation that marks the entire Christian life. That word anticipation just means to, to take beforehand, like to grasp that which has not yet taken place or that which is yet to take place. Well, we know what the thing is that's going to take place. It is the coming of Christ, but not just the coming of Christ. It's actually the definitive victory of Christ over sin and death, such that sin and death are permanently relegated to hell and have no power to touch or affect or influence the children of God. That's the thing that we already grasp, that we hold in anticipation. And it is the realization of that, that truth that's already been won by Christ on the cross, that's the thing that we, uh, how do we say it, we expect, we look forward to, to taking place in all of history. And so it makes us ask the question, why is that something for people to, to die in fright over? At least the translation we have here, men withering away for fear and expectation of what shall come upon the whole world. Why should the victory of Christ over all sin and death be something for people to wither away in fear because of? I think we have to say that it's only something to die in fright over or to wither away over if I haven't already anticipated that reality in my own self. Because the Christian is supposed to stop, to look up, and to lift up our heads because our redemption is at hand. So I think there are a couple pretty good takeaways that we can reflect on in the context of this reality that will come to pass. First, the powers of heaven will be shaken. Meaning all, not, not just the, the sun and the moon and the stars, which is what the gospel speaks of today, but also those who are in authority in the world, those who think they have power and authority over everything that moves upon the earth, those who arrogate to themselves the power of God in the way that they live and, 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 and even in the way that they govern, those powers are going to be shaken. And so we have no need, no reason to be afraid because the victory of our Lord Jesus Christ is accomplished. The second thing, I need to have been shaken already, myself, by this same gospel, in anticipation, so that in the end, I will not be shaken. So in the end, I will not be moved. Because the gospel has the power to shake everything, because it is the power of God coming into the world. The whole reason that I'm here, that all of us are here, is because we have already been moved by it. We've already been shaken from our former way of life by the truth and the victory of Jesus Christ. If you think to, your, to a moment in your life of conversion, whether it was a complete conversion from a, a way of life that was totally contrary to the gospel, or whether it was just a, a moment where, where our Lord broke in and said, hey, there's something in here that needs to be moved, fixed, shaken, changed, whatever that happens to be. We know it probably wasn't an easy moment when my worldview, my way of life is, is shattered on some level. I have to really rethink things. Again, often a painful and difficult moment in the life of a Christian and if we've been living the Christian life for a long time, we also know that it's not always just a one-time deal. Again, it happens at first when I'm woken up from those daytime revelries and slumbers, when God breaks into my life 
and shows me who I've been and who I must become. Think of St. Paul on his way to Damascus. Gets knocked, knocked to, the, to the ground by the, by the glory of God appearing before him. It's a moment of conversion. It happens to all of us at God's appointed time when he invites us to turn ourselves away from sin and to live fully the gospel. But again, the shaking continues throughout our Christian life, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in big ways, often through our sins and failings, as if we were still in, like, still in need of conversion. He knows that our will is often weak. He knows that we have to be called back to himself. Luke gives us another image of, well, the house being shaken, or rather the house being not shaken. You know the, the line. When the flood comes and the stream breaks against the house that's built on solid rock, Luke says the stream could not shake it because it was built on solid rock. But we also know that the house with no foundation, not built on solid rock, collapses and is completely ruined. Thanks be to God that we have to face difficulties in our lives, even profound difficulties. Because the Lord makes clear through those difficulties that there are areas sometimes of my house that maybe are not resting on solid rock. Maybe there are areas of my house that haven't been resting on that foundation that I have been given, namely Christ himself. He even allows those parts of my house to collapse sometimes. Precisely so that they can be rebuilt with a proper footing. All of this in the end is a great mercy. It's a great goodness coming from God in order to prepare us for the end. So that when I do see him face to face, my house isn't going to collapse into eternal ruin and eternal destruction. How good it is then to allow the full force of the gospel to permeate every aspect of my life. And that is our focus during Advent. To grasp in anticipation the full coming of Christ so that when he comes, I am ready to meet him. In the ordinary form of the Mass, the Collect for the first Sunday of Advent runs something like this. Grant your faithful, we pray, Almighty God, the resolve to run forth to meet, your, to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming. The resolve to run forth to meet your Christ with righteous deeds at his coming. We know it's the one who hears the words of Jesus and who does them. The one who carries out the word of God in his actions, who builds his house on solid rock. Advent, then, can be a beautiful time of applying the gospel of Christ to my actions. We take these few weeks in preparation for Christmas and consider what's going to be better in my life, in my Christian life at Christmas this year, when I see him, when I meet him, when I celebrate him liturgically, his coming liturgically. Is something else in my life going to be more ready than now to meet Christ when he comes? St. Paul reminds us to lay aside the works of darkness, revelry, drunkenness, debauchery, licentiousness, quarreling, and jealousy. So maybe this Advent, we can take those sins, those things that keep me from him, whatever is plaguing me at the moment, place it at the foot of the cross. Take the extra effort, the extra time to place it there. And to allow the saving flood which comes from the side of Christ, that blood and water, to wash all over me with all of my weaknesses, because it's only in him that I find salvation.
Those aren't just nice words. It's a nice image to be there at the foot of the cross and let Jesus' blood and water flow and wash over me. This is, in fact, extremely practical because I know that the conquering of sin isn't something that belongs to just my own strength. The conquering of sin belongs first and foremost to Christ, and He is the one who accomplishes it within me. By laying our sins down at the foot of the cross, by humbling ourselves before Him, and allowing Him to cleanse and to heal us, we jettison everything in us that is not of God. And that is the only appropriate anticipation of the coming of Christ. To live fully within ourselves the definitive victory of Christ over sin and death, such that nothing and no one can draw us away from Him. Thanks be to God. He gives us another help, another great help in this anticipation. Because if the second coming of Christ is His coming in majesty, and the first Christmas was His coming in history, then the Holy Communion that we celebrate today is His coming in mystery. And for this reason, we are to be properly disposed to receive Holy Communion. We are to already have anticipated His coming within us by conversion of life, by baptism and confession if necessary. And so if I am properly disposed to receive Him now in Holy Communion, I should have no fear of His coming at the end. Now we know why there are debates about who should be permitted to present themselves for Holy Communion, because it has eternal repercussions. But for us today, it does not have to catch us off guard, like for those who are drowsy from carousing and drunkenness. Rather, instead of looking at, with confusion at the world around us, the Christian is confident. What we have already experienced in our own lives, by permitting the gospel to permeate our entire being, the whole world is going to experience. Unless they have anticipated Christ's coming in majesty, by acknowledging His coming in history and in mystery, that day will catch them by surprise like a trap. But we as Christians are not afraid. We know the powers of heaven are going to be shaken. But God willing, by His grace, our house will not be shaken because it will have been built on solid rock. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you.